The Daily Tap is live for Friday. It is February 24th. We are going to do golden kegs for the entire Bucks team so far this season. Uh, we'll get into it. Who's the best? Who's the worst uh, for this NBA year for the very successful Milwaukee Bucks? We'll also talk about why the coverage of Aaron Rodgers' darkness retreat is a low point in the NFL media world, and they should be embarrassed. We'll get into that, maybe a little ranty, who knows. And then we'll do a weekend preview. Uh, we'll talk about the Bucs, we'll talk about Marquette, we'll mention the Badgers, maybe mention EWM too, I think they have one more game before they close out Horizon League play. So we'll get yourself all set up. It is a great weekend of local sports. Maybe talk a little national as well. I don't know if there's really, oh, I think Celtic Sixers, ABC, uh, for the national broadcast, but whatever. We'll get into that during the weekend preview. Uh, we'll talk about my interesting uh, Saturday night, uh, which I can uh, divulge in the podcast. So maybe a little Chuck's Corner thrown in there as well. Uh, but before we get going, just a reminder, social media, tap into keg on Twitter, tap into keg sports on Instagram as well as TikTok. We had a really successful TikTok yesterday. We are creeping close on TikTok to 700 followers. On Twitter, we're creeping close to 800. So if you know people, drop that follow button. I'd really appreciate it. I'm very close on both of those. Uh, so would appreciate all of the love and support. I understand that I might be a little bit of a nuisance on Twitter. Uh, so you can mute me. Like you can follow me and mute me and I won't be mad at you. I just want to get to that 800. Uh, I feel like I'm working towards it. I've been actually really proud of what I've been doing on Twitter recently. A um, little more than just giving my opinions. I think once we transition it to Tabby the Keg, Wisconsin, which hopefully soon, uh, I think it's even going to grow exponentially. I think all of them. And the listens uh, for the podcast have been great this week. Uh, just incredible stuff. So really appreciate you guys. Um, please leave reviews uh, that really help get people to know us. If you're not wanting to leave a review, I get it's a little tedious. At least tell your buddies about it. Tell us what we have. Maybe if your wife would want to listen, maybe if your husband wants to listen, like tell them what we have going on here. Uh, try anyone, right? Your dad, maybe your mom. Like I, I don't care. Like just tell anyone uh, what we're all about. Uh, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify. And if you're new because somebody told you about us, uh, you can subscribe there. You can also subscribe anywhere else you get your podcasts. Uh, we do this thing four days a week, um, sometimes five if we need to, because uh, we're here for the Wisconsin sports fan. All right, that's enough mumbo jumbo. That's enough spiel. Let's talk about Golden Kegs and the Milwaukee Bucks for this season. Golden Kegs is something that we've done on and off periodically. I will admit that it's sometimes hard because you have all these other topics and it's really hard to just take some time and run through it, right? And be like, all right, here are the guys who are the best and the worst from the Bucks games. Usually they're three kegs being the best, one keg being the worst. We're going to extend it out to five kegs, so which I think gives you a clear picture of who's really the best, who's really the worst, one keg being the worst. So we will go in order of five kegs to one keg, um, highlighting the best and worst of the Bucks so far this season. Now I will caveat that we do not have a one keg, so there's that, and there are some incompletes. Uh, and I did that based on minutes per game. I just felt like, all right, we do we have really enough sample size to talk about these players? Obviously, Myers Leonard and Jay Crowder do not show up on this list as they have not played a single game for the Milwaukee Bucks. Hopefully, both will get some run tonight against the Miami Heat. But incompletes for Marjan Bochamp, Thanasis Antetokounmpo, AJ Green, and Mamou Cetusvili. 
Uh, or Sandro, Sandro, <laughs> Sheely, that's another guy. Hot start. I'm going to leave that in there. I'm not even going to edit that out. Uh, Sandro Mamisvili. So I might have said it right, but I think I was talking about Nicholas Svitashvili, uh, former Denver uh, top five pick. But yeah, I'm leaving that in there. I'm just gonna. So I don't always leave my mistakes in there. Sometimes I'll just reset. Reset. We're not resetting there. Quick thoughts on those guys. I think for Marjan, the talent's there. Like I, I really do think Marjan is going to come into his own. I think next year could be a really special year for Marjan. I really hope the Bucks hold on to him. I hope that they do not trade him for assets. I think Marjan can be a productive player off the bench for Milwaukee next season. Uh, but he has the tools, the skill set. It's all there. The game just speeds up for him a little bit from time to time. Uh, Thanasty is just there to bring the vibes, man. He has a podcast now like me. Um, so yeah, I, I'm all in on the Thanasis experience. AJ Green is an interesting one because I, I look at AJ Green and he's he has a really good stroke. He can shoot the shoot the basketball. And if AJ Green can kind of be a guy that you just bring in for five minutes because he's a liability defensively, five minutes to just get up some shots in playoff games or in big moments, I'm all for it. If AJ Green can live up to that, which I know that's a lot of pressure, but there might be there might be moments this final 20 some games of the season where you want to check that with AJ Green. And they have a lot of good opponents, right? You could even do it this weekend against Miami and Phoenix. I know KD's not going to be on the Suns this weekend, but at least check it out. At least see what you have. So I, I'm all for that idea. Uh, as for Mamu, uh, I, he's he's a fun player, right? He's a ball of energy, but he's just, it, what we say in, basket, or in baseball, like quad A guys, right? Where... They're not good enough to be in AAA, but they're also not good enough to be in the big leagues. That's kind of Mamu, right? Like to me, Mamu's a, a quad A guy. He has a lot of energy. He gives a shit. He wants to get rebounds. He wants to score, but he, it's just not entirely all there for him. Maybe down the line it will be, but I think it's going to take time. And I think he needs to be on a bad team to just kind of fuck up for a while. Like if he was on Detroit right now, I actually wouldn't be surprised if he would be doing well because he'd have the runway to sort of screw up and there wouldn't be the consequences that there are with the Bucks. All right, let's dive into the actual golden kegs now of who got the top spots. Giannis Antetokounmpo is a five kegger. You should not be surprised by Giannis Antetokounmpo getting that five keg honoree. He's averaging 31, 12, and five in MVP season without question. Giannis has carried the team on his back all season. Uh, multiple 50-point games, uh, doing it on both ends of the court. He has truly been special. This has been a very fun Giannis year to watch. I, I think every Giannis year is great. Every Giannis game is a, I wanted to go as far as to say out-of-body experience, but Jason Tatum, uh, interestingly enough to me, Malika Andrews said that Giannis's off nights are 25, 15, and 10, or something along those lines. And like that's so true. And that's why every night Giannis brings it. Every night, it is a joy to watch Anadokounmpo play. And yeah, some of the efficiency stuff hasn't been great, but Giannis finds his spots. Giannis finds ability to score, and no one can touch Anadokounmpo right now. He is the best in the game, 
And yeah, he might not win MVP, especially now because of the wrist injury. And I doubt Giannis plays on Friday. He's listed as doubtful. Even though the fact that he's listed as doubtful and not straight up out is impressive, to say the least. It almost makes you wonder, could Giannis be back earlier than that Philly game next Saturday? I, I think it's possible. Uh, he was shooting, doing stuff in warm-ups. But yeah, it's it's really encouraging uh, that Antetokounmpo is already at a doubtful status uh, for the game on Friday. But yeah, it's it, it's been an excellent year for Antetokounmpo. And I think if there's anything to worry about would be the usage rate being so high. Usually you see those guys, uh, whether it's a Luka, James Harden, Russell Westbrook in the past, you know, have high usage rates. It doesn't correlate to playoff su- success. I do think part of that was due to not having Chris Middleton, uh, not having a fully healthy roster really this entire season. I mean, the Bucks have barely played with a fully healthy roster. And so I think that's a reason for the usage rate. I am not going to worry too much about it uh, in the long, in the grand scheme of things. Other five keg goes to Drew Holiday. Uh, Drew Holiday has been absolutely terrific uh, this season. Uh, all-star year, well-deserving. Uh, Drew has just had the role of the second banana. And we've, we talk all, we used to talk a lot about you know, is Middleton or Holiday the second banana? Like that was a that was a conversation that, or well, it was it was Brogdon actually at one point, but it was brought like we'd always have these debates. So who's the second banana? And then Chris Middleton developed as the Robin to Giannis's Batman, and Chris Middleton is a top twenty-five player. He is truly special when he's at his best. Some of the Chris Middleton numbers from the playoff run cannot be forgotten. You have to remind yourself of some of the crazy shit that Chris Middleton did during that run. And if you forget, go look at those game logs and maybe even watch the highlights on YouTube. Like if you're not doing anything Friday afternoon, uh, work slow, like go dial up the Middleton playoff highlights. And I I don't want to take away from Drew, but basically someone needed to step up into that second role and Drew Holiday did it. And Drew Holiday was rewarded with an all-star appearance, but there have been so many good Drew Holiday games where the Bucks needed somebody to provide the scoring at the perimeter and Holiday did just that. The Toronto-Indiana run when Giannis was out was absolutely bonkers. Remember, the Bucks had lost a couple games. They were kind of teetering a little bit. They had a back-to-back with Toronto-Indiana. They were down to Indiana getting wiped out. Uh, this was on the heels of also getting wiped out by Charlotte, I think two weeks ago at home. And it was, you know, sell crowd, Martin Luther King Day. Bucks come back in the second half. And then they beat Toronto the next night uh, with a depleted roster, uh, if you will, for the Bucks. And I think it just speaks to it speaks to kind of what Holiday has been this year. He had a run in early the early part of the season that really shouldn't be forgotten either, where he he had an awesome stat line against Atlanta and then Detroit and then Minnesota. He he had 20, I think he had twenty nine eight and eight in that one, like. He's been good all season. There have been very few bad Drew Holiday games. A lot of the bad Drew Holiday games have been when he's facing off against a team with a good perimeter player. He has to exert more on defense, kind of the P.J. Tucker thing. And that's something come playoff time is why Chris Middleton needs to get healthy is because Holiday is going to be putting so much effort in a defense. It's hard for us to expect the same production out of him on the offensive side of the court uh, when he's doing that in the playoffs. Like that's a whole different monster and a a huge storyline that is approaching. I I don't think it's something we need to talk in that great detail about right now, but if Middleton still has those training wheels on as what he said today, like that's a real problem for the Bucs with 
the need for scoring, you know, in the in the playoff time, in nut crunching time. Brooke Lopez earns a four keg. Uh, I think you could argue that Brooke had an all-star candidacy case or candidacy case earlier this season. Uh, it, it kind of flamed out as he would have hit or miss games where he would get into foul trouble or he really wasn't being that productive on the scoring side of things. But the defense has been so, so good. He's been an absolute force. It's hilarious that Bucks fans wanted to trade him at, before the season started. And I shouldn't say Bucks fans. I should work that back to some Bucks fans were adamant that Brook Lopez was washed. And he is the furthest thing from it. Uh, Lopez is playing so great, very springy out there. Uh, he looks like a, a new man after the back surgery. And it makes you wonder if you could keep Brooke for another two years and ride this out. I think you'd want to heir apparent. Uh, I actually, speaking of that, I back in the draft process, I really liked Walker Kessler. I wondered if he could be a heir apparent to Brooke Lopez. And I just thought, I, I thought the guy was very talented and reminded me a little bit of Lopez. And sure enough, he's been awesome for the Jazz. And your boy knows ball. That's basically all that needs to be said. But teams are really struggling to score against Milwaukee. And Lopez is a huge contributor to that. He might be the contributor to that. And the offensive stuff has been there when it needs to be, right? He had 33 against Chicago when Giannis goes out with a wrist injury. And Middleton's not playing. And Pat Conn's not playing. Lopez stepped up from the get-go. Uh, you had... The game against Portland, where he dropped—I think he dropped 21 in that game. Like he's—he's he's had some moments this year where he's showed showed what he still has offensively, and it's not just three pointers. It's taking guys into the lane. Uh, Brooks Brooks been special this year. You could really could even make a case that's five kegs. There's been a couple couple off nights here and there or foul trouble nights, so that's where it prevents him from that five keg. But Brooks been a really really key cog to what the Bucks are doing. Javon Carter also earns a four keg for me. I think this is a breakout year for Javon Carter. Like, I think what Javon Carter has done this season has been very impressive. He's found his stroke from beyond the arc. He can do it always at the wing. He has a spot on the court where he knows he can make a three-point shot. And he also can do it in a catch-and-shoot variety. He has the patented pull-up three. I feel like we need to have a name for that. Like, the Carter... There's not really a good way to say it. Like Javon's, Javon's huevos, because it's kind of a big ball shot, right? Uh, now we got to workshop it. We'll talk to IT. We'll go back into the lab. We'll figure out a name for it. But the pull up three for Javon Carter is one of those wild experiences. Like it's it's kind of like doing a shot of Malort. Like you really don't know how bad it's going. Yeah, maybe not Malort. Shot of Rumplemints. That's that's a better way. And Malort's always bad. Voice never fun. But like a shot of rumplements, right? Where it's like sometimes it's awesome. It's a, it sets the tone. It's a great shot. Other times you are just fucked up beyond belief. There's a bad bite to it. Maybe you drank something that just made it taste awful. Like that's kind of Javon Carter's pull up three game. Like that that's how I envision it. I, I love it when it goes in. I absolutely detest it when it doesn't go in. And I also don't like that Javon gets really confident and like, I, I shouldn't say I don't like it, but it frustrates me that if he hits a couple shots, he thinks he is on par with Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton and Giannis. Like, it's like, dude, you're still Javon Carter, okay? Like, I, I like what you do, but don't don't try to be shooting the ball like 10 times a fucking game. You know what I mean? So I, I like that Javon also has figured out how to kind of play with the big boys. One of my big criticisms of him this season has been he hasn't really shown up against 
big against good opponents. And I feel like you're starting to see that more like in the positive. I thought against the Clippers, he played really well. I thought he played well against Boston in the first half. Second half was a kind of a disaster, kind of the stuff we had just talked about. But we're starting to see a little bit more from Javon Carter against the big boys. And that that's a really important thing as well. Bobby Portis gets a three keg from me. I was probably a little too harsh on Bobby to start the year. I might have said that Bobby could have got traded and I'd be okay with it. Uh, look, I think my issue with Bobby is just the defense, right? Um, and that has been my issue all year is that Bobby's been a matador when it comes defensively. That really only cares about rebounds. He likes the fact that he's averaging a double-double. I know he does. He talks about his double-doubles, right? He's very open about that. And I think that's the part that bothers me because I don't, I didn't really think until the last like few weeks, right before he got hurt, he was, he really playing team basketball. It felt like it was a little more of the individual and it was Bobby Portis time versus this is what the offense needs for me. But now to argue a little bit with myself here, Bobby was one of the only guys that was shooting basketball at that point. There, there were not a lot of guys that have played as many games as Bobby Portis has before the injury, right? Bobby was there every night and it was it was Giannis scoring, it was Bobby scoring. And that usually was the outcome. If you look at some of those box scores from the early part of the season, when you didn't have content, when you didn't have Chris Middleton and you needed somebody to step up and Bobby took that role on. So averaging 14 and 10 is impressive, but I think what I... What I need more from is just the defense and playing team ball. And I think the latter is going to come. Like team ball, I think, is going to come because of all the guys the Bucks have now, uh, adding in Jay Crowder, the competition for minutes. I think you're going to see more from Bobby Portis. I'm very excited for Bobby's kind of pseudo second half. Like I, I think I would buy stock in Bobby Portis having a really good finish to the year and making a case for six man. I don't think he's going to get it, but I, I think there will be a case made for it. Chris Middleton also gets a three keg. Uh, best is yet to come for Vince, right? Uh, the three keg really is more about the fact that he's had some injuries, uh, the fact that he has not been able to get into the starting rotation, uh, the fact that he missed that Chicago game, which caused a lot of us to panic. Uh, Lori Nickel did a great job getting quotes from Middleton. Uh, that's where the training wheels comment came from, which I think I now mentioned three times in the 15 minutes. Apologize for that. It was not my intention. Uh, but... Middleton feels like he's getting better. He feels like he's getting healthy. I want to see Chris Middleton in the starting rotation. I think that's something that needs to happen. The Bucs have yet to lose a game where it's like, wow, if we just had five more minutes of Middleton, the Bucs win this game going away. We thought it was going to be that Celtics game uh, last week, but it, it didn't happen that way. And that does worry me that, if, especially with the honest out, can we try to at least get Middleton to 30 minutes, even if he's coming off the bench? Uh, can we get Middleton to that 30-minute mark? I, I would not put it past Mike Boonholzer to start Chris Middleton this, on this game. With Pat Connaughton likely not playing, I could see a lineup of Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Grayson Allen, Bobby Portis, and Brooke Lopez. That, to me, sounds like the Bucks lineup uh, against the Miami Heat on Friday night. Uh, and that would be awesome. And that would be a great step forward. And then if his minutes are getting up to 30 and maybe even 33, then it feels like we have Chris Middleton back in the flesh. Um, so that that's sort of my hope that this three keg is really just 
a bad first half of the year. And not even bad. Like, he had, he had some nice games. Like, the Indiana game, uh, he put out some big numbers. But the Indiana one sticks out uh, where he just dominated that first half. And then he was pretty much on ice in the second half. Indiana starts to come back. And it really was all because of what Chris Middleton did. But he's he's been – I mean, he's averaging off the bench. Now, granted, he's only played – uh, 17 games, but he's still averaging 14 points. Like that's that's crazy to me. Like that's crazy that he's he's been that productive so far. Uh, oh yeah, 22 against the Lakers. I forgot about that. Like they, he's had some big outputs, right? He's averaging 18 a game in February so far. So I really I really hope that this is only a blip on the radar when it comes to Chris Middleton. Another three categories, Wesley Matthews. Uh, Wesley almost made the incomplete, but I, I have to give Wes credit. He's done a really good job on the defensive end when the Bucs have asked him to do it. He single-handedly won that Clippers game at the Pfizer Forum by locking up Kawhi and Paul George. He did a great job in that fi- those final minutes, and he's going to be used, I think, in rotation with Jay Crowder. I don't know if the minutes are going to disappear for Wes, but I still think Wes will have opportunities to make his impact felt and when you can put Crowder and Matthews so basically you're not you know making the responsibility just one guy and it's Crowder and Matthews I realize that is no offense I realize that is a scary thing but if it's Crowder Matthews and Giannis and then you have maybe I don't know you have Joe Ingles or you have uh Pat Connaughton Drew Holiday Javon Carter Javon Carter might be a lot but you could really have this like kick-ass, welcome-to-hell defense that involves both Jay Crowder and Wes Matthews. And I think you're going to see it. And Wes is still an integral part of this team. And no one do I want to get a ring for more than Wes Matthews. Pat Connaughton gets a two-keg for me. Uh, It's been a tough year with two injuries since now with this Cavs. Like, you might need to talk to Johnny Drama, figure out what Johnny did for calf implants. Uh, Pat's hit some big shots, had some decent games, but he's been way too consistent. Um, it just does not seem like Pat Content can get like that a stretch where he's scoring 10 to 12 points a game. Like that would be really nice, but we just have not seen that from Content. And then obviously the injuries have been an issue. Um, and hopefully he gets healthy. Hopefully he can figure out how to kind of rid himself of this calf injury because that's no fun, right? If he's continuing to have calf injuries and you have three months of playoffs, like that could be a really big thing for for Milwaukee and so hopefully that is not the case Grace Allen gets two kegs as well um it's been a really rough year for him uh there have been moments where he looks like a productive player like the Toronto and Dallas games where he had 25 apiece there's also been games where it doesn't look like Grace Allen belongs nor does he want to be there uh I, I hope that with the trade trade talk done and Grayson can just focus on basketball that he turns it on and ha- has a really good second half. And I'm not holding out that that can't happen. I think it could. I think Grayson is a really, has a unique skill set and and he could show it. And the ability to, you know, have some athleticism that the Bucks lack on the wing, be able to get to the basket, be able to score from three. Like, they just need to see more from Grayson um, when he has those moments. Um, so hopefully he gets that. Joe Ingles also gets a two-gag. Uh, he wraps us up here. Uh, I, I, I think Joe is doing a lot of productive things, but he's still kind of, I think, trying to find his footing with the team. Not a huge impact yet, 
but a guy I do think you can rely on in the playoffs, a guy that is going to get into people's faces. The Bucks are going to piss off so many teams with Jay Crowder, Joe Ingles, and Bobby Portis. And you can add Grayson Allen to the mix if you want, but Grayson has not been that guy since college. It's going to be a team that makes a lot of people mad. And Joe Joe provides a great energy off the bench. And I, I the assist numbers have been solid, but he really has not found it offensively. And I, I just hope that at some point that comes back. And that's where you go back to the knee injury and you wonder, you know, is this really going to be another year before we see see Joe Ingles, which he's I only think signed to a one year deal for the Bucks. So he might we might see it with another team, unfortunately. But we'll just have to see what happens. Hopefully, hopefully Ingles starts starts getting to cook it up here in the months of March as well as April. So that does it. Uh, let me know what you think. Uh, hit me up in the comments, whether it's on Twitter, Tabby the Keg, or Tabby the Keg Sports on Instagram. Uh, answer those DMs and talk through our Golden Keg rankings uh, for the first half of the year. We'll. Go back to the Bucks uh, when we're doing the weekend preview uh, after we talk about Aaron Rodgers. You may have heard that Aaron Rodgers is back from his darkness retreat. I don't know how you could miss it as it was all over the NFL media yesterday. And frankly, it was a little embarrassing because I just wonder, do we need to talk about the NFL every day? Is it a requirement? Do, is there something in the rule book where we have to have NFL conversations every day? Like, can't we just let this shit breathe for one day? And it just is not something that I think is worth spending a ton of time on. I realize I'm doing a segment on it. It won't be that long, but it's worth knowing, like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, he did something a little bit different, something a little bit out of the ordinary. But all really it was was him focusing on his mental health. I haven't seen one person come out and say, you know, this is really great that Aaron Rodgers is refocusing himself before he makes a really big decision, before Aaron Rodgers decides if he wants to go with the young Packer wide receivers and Aaron Jones signing for another year and maybe not having all his guys back versus wanting to try something new, wanting to do what Tom Brady or Peyton Manning did, you know, before him and wants to kind of try to pave that path as well and not be a Ben Roethlisberger or a Drew Brees who didn't really end their careers the way that I think they would want to. Brady and Manning went out really on top. Even if Brady had the bad year this season, I think Tom Brady can still say his mission was accomplished by winning the Super Bowl the year prior. I have not seen one fucking person do that. We all want to talk about how we're focusing on our mental health and how mental health is a priority, right? And instead... We only do that because it looks good on Twitter and Instagram. We do it for our likes. We do it for our retweets. I hope everybody's taking care of mentals. Go see a therapist. I've seen two therapists. I have no problem with therapy. I'm not trying to shit on it. But I also don't think you need to tell the whole fucking world you're doing it. Because I think everybody realizes how important mental health is. Should you talk to friends? Absolutely. And should you check in on people if you feel like they're in a rough spot? No doubt. I do a bad job of that sometimes. I do not text all my friends as much as I should. I'm in group chats and I, I think that's sufficient, but sometimes I don't think I do enough to reach out to friends individually when I think of something funny or I something crosses, crosses my mind that makes me think of them. I don't do that enough. And that's on me, right? 
But to go back to Rodgers, this is all about mental health. It's all about him getting his mentals right. And shitting on this whole thing is just kind of weird to me. And something that I think the NFL should have left, the NFL media should have left alone. But they're obsessed with content. They are absolutely addicted. Everything has to be content for the NFL. They, they, they don't have anything else. This is all they got right now. The draft is far away. Anthony Richardson, I guess, is moving up in Vegas odds to be a number one pick. But this is a classic smokescreen that we see all the time. And everybody falls for the okie doke, right? Anthony Richardson is going to kill it in the combine. There's going to be a ton of hype around Anthony Richardson. If you take Anthony Richardson with a top 10 pick, you shouldn't be running a football team. Point blank. I look at this and say, all right, can we just relax a little bit? Are some of the jokes funny? Sure. Okay. Right? Like, I'm not trying to sound like a complete on Mount Pius here and preach about how someone at least should have talked about Mount, Mount Pius or someone should... Someone should have, I'm not trying to preach too much. I'm trying to acknowledge that you can make some jokes and you can have some fun with it. But I felt like it was teetering on, all right, are, are we bullying Aaron Rodgers for taking care of his mental health? That's kind of a weird, a weird look. And I just felt like a lot of the coverage was out of bounds. And I think we can all make jokes. We can all have fun. But it's, it's just like there there's some of that needs to be reined in and think through a little bit harder about are we really are we really championing mental health if we're going to just get a ton of jokes off and not, and not at least acknowledge it, right? Like I, I don't really care if you're making jokes, but you're also acknowledging it, more power to you, right? It's, it is weird. It is different. Uh, if you want to brag on him for not staying the full four days, more power to you. But I, I think there needs to be a balance. And it's what we lack a lot in, in sports media right now. It's it's all about you have to have a take one way or the other. You can't really be down the middle. You can't you know make fun of something with also being a little bit compassionate and having some empathy. That doesn't fucking exist. So yeah, and maybe I sound like a whiny Packer fan. If I do, you can skip this topic. But just was it just got under my skin a little bit. And then you have Mike Florio tonight. The yard barker himself going like, oh, now it's time for Aaron Rodgers to make a decision. Fuck you, dude. No, it's not. It, it is and it isn't. Like, it's, he can make the decision whenever he chooses. Like, the NFL season doesn't start till the 15th. Like, he has all, he has at least a month to make a call. Florio does not dictate his schedule. Just because Florio needs content doesn't mean that Aaron Rodgers needs to give his opinion on what he's doing on Friday or on Saturday or on Sunday. Aaron Rodgers will make it when Aaron Rodgers wants to. So welcome back, Aaron. And we await your decision. And when he, whatever happens, I'll be making content. And so will everybody else. Let's move on to the weekend preview. Uh, we do this on Fridays, I think, pretty regularly where we just kind of run through what games are going on. Uh, sometimes we will go into the national uh, landscape, but we want to just talk through you know the biggest games of the weekend for Wisconsin sports. I think we have to start with Marquette. So I know they're playing DePaul. I know they'll be favored by probably 17 or 18 points. But Marquette has a chance to clinch a share of the Big East title uh, on Saturday night. It is a sellout at the Fiserv Forum. 
It should be very fun. It is going to be loud. It is going to be hyphy. And I I don't know if Marquette's going to have a hangover from Tuesday night. I was really worried about that. I was worried that there was a letdown. I was worried that this is the Paul Super Bowl. I'd be very nervous about this game if they were going to DePaul. Like if this was headed to DePaul, I would be scared shitless. But because it's not, because it's at Marquette, or Milwaukee, if you will, I think the Golden Eagles have a great chance to blow the doors off the Blue Demons. And also, too, this is now the third game where there's going to be real juice in the arena, you know, in the Big East season. You had it for National Marquette Day. The Golden Eagles were a little sluggish. You had it for Xavier. They were sluggish. Then they came through in the second half. Chaka mentioned, like, everyone was telling them this is the biggest game of their career. So, of course, they were a little tight. Now it feels like the pressure should be off. Playing a team that's not as good as DePaul, well, they're probably the same as Butler, but could you, can you can you just sort of blow them out from the start and it be a celebration on the, in the streets Saturday night in Milwaukee? We'll have to see. Uh, I'm not really that nervous about DePaul. It's more, it's more just I know they're going to treat this like their Super Bowl, and they have lost eight straight games. And this might be their only chance to get a win. They have Creighton next Saturday, next Saturday at home. They play at Connecticut on Wednesday. Uh, but this is this might be one of their opportunities to kind of stun the world and have everybody talk about DePaul basketball. And we'll we'll see if they uh, they're able to to achieve such a thing. But I don't think so. I don't think it's going to. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Marquette is set up for success here and. I look forward to watching them in person. I'm very excited to go. Uh, I'm going with my wife, her friend, and my mother-in-law. It's, pre- it's a unique crowd for a Marquette game for me. Uh, not, not what I'm used to. I'm still going to make most of it. Still going to have fun. Uh, they're actually going... I, I mentioned this on a podcast yesterday, so I apologize for repeating myself. But they're doing like a wine thing before the game, and I'm not doing that. Like I'm going to, I'm going to Jack's, which is right, right down the block, and I'm just going to have a few beers by myself and watch whatever basketball game's on because I need to get to get focused, need to get dialed in for the game, and uh, and have have a have a good little layer going uh, heading into the stadium. So it should be exciting, excited to be there for that one. As for the Milwaukee Bucks, they are in action twice. They're in action tonight against the Miami Heat, and they're in action on Sunday against the Phoenix Suns. Uh, the Bucks Heat should be a fun one. Uh, the Bucks can win that and split the season series with them. This will be the third one that probably will be without Giannis. Uh, the Heat took both of those games. Now, granted, they were in uh, South Beach. The Heat have not been the same team on the road. They are going to get Tyler Harrow back. Tyler Harrow always seems to get buckets against the Bucks. Like it doesn't, when he's in Milwaukee, there's something about him and the chip on his shoulder, with the whole Badger nonsense and everything else uh, that really comes up, comes through with Hero. The Bucks are an impeccable 24 and five at home uh, this season. Uh, they've been really good. And they they took care of business against the Heat in that last game. It was, it was an eight point win, but it felt like a 20 point win. The Bucks. We're in complete control of that entire game. Giannis did have a triple-double, so you won't have that production from Antetokounmpo. But you had good nights from Grayson Allen, who had 19 in that game. So maybe this is a springboard for Grayson Allen. Uh, Chris Middleton had 24. So if you could get Chris Middleton back in that starting rotation, that would be tremendous. Uh, so I still think the Bucs can, can do well 
in in the matchup with Miami, even without Yana Kumbo. Uh, Bam and can be taken by Brooke Lopez. Uh, they don't really have a scorer inside, so Bobby Bobby's defense won't really worry me all that much. Uh, if Kyle Lowry is going to play, I bet it to be off the bench, and that'll be Gabe Vincent. It does matter. Drew Holiday could have a really big game with with Gabe Vincent and Kyle Lowry on the court. I, I don't I don't fear that at all. Uh, so should be a fun one. Um, and hopefully the Bucks can keep pace with Boston uh, on Saturday night, which is on ESPN, by the way, if you are not going to the game. Then on Sunday afternoon, brunch with the Bucks, uh, 12, 12 noon start. It's part of an ABC doubleheader. Uh, Bucks Suns, maybe not the same as they would hope in a couple weeks when it'd be Durant versus Giannis. I think that's on the 11th. That has to be like, you have to find a way to make that a primetime game. It's on NBA TV. Like that needs to be, front and fucking center phoenix still trying to figure out you know what their roster looks like they're gonna have a game before the bucks they play a thunder actually on espn in phoenix so they'll travel to milwaukee to kick off a road trip uh, on sunday it's a weird body clock game for phoenix and that's something you have to consider in this one it's phoenix obviously on mountain time it's one hour right but these guys are so regimented these guys are so routine. You just wonder, will it be a sluggish start for the Suns? The Suns are still figuring out their roster. They're, they're, not, they're not entirely there just yet. Devin Booker has been playing well. Um, Chris Paul is, is doing Chris Paul things, but it's not, it's not, entirely, it's not entirely baked out right now. Um, and Josh Ogie starting, like he played 41 minutes in the clip, that Clippers loss. Uh, Terrence Ross was is coming off the bench, but he shot the ball 17 times in that game, which feels a little bit intense for a guy like Terrence Ross. So we'll see, we'll sort of see what that looks like and what the Suns, you know, bring to the table on, on Sunday. I actually think it's a pretty good time to be playing the Suns. I think the Suns in on the 11th with Durant fully healthy will be a lot worse. Even if Durant wasn't fully healthy and as this team gelled together, I think it'd still be a bigger issue uh, than the team you're playing right now. I think that's that's going to benefit the Bucs uh, in their game against the Suns. So could the Bucs go 2-0 this weekend? I think it's on the table. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's out of the question. Uh, I think it's more realistic to expect one and one. Uh, but yeah, I, I I'd be, I guess I'll say this, I'll be disappointed if it's 0-2. So I'd like to win Friday and then Sunday becomes a little house money-ish uh, for your Milwaukee Bucks. Real quick for the other college games, Badgers kind of continue to try to remain off the bubble as they will play Michigan on Sunday afternoon. That game is a CBS one uh, at 1 p.m. So if you are a Marquette fan hoping to see Wisconsin's net rating go up, we'll see if the Badgers can replicate their same success they had against the Wolverines a couple weeks ago. Uh, that game really was a lot closer on a box score than it looked. I mean, Badgers dominated that game and they just got cold and Michigan crept back into that in the final moments of the game, they outscored the Badgers 17 to 10 to finish that. The Badgers had led by 12 with 10 minutes left and then just forgot how to play basketball the rest of the way. So can Wisconsin notch that big road win? They have not had a big, I don't know if they've had a big, oh, Ohio State. That is their, Ohio State and Penn State. So Penn State was a good good road win. So they've had some road wins. They've played all right on the road, uh, but they have not won two straight games since Western Michigan and Minnesota on the 30th and the 3rd. The Iowa win was their first double-digit win since Western Michigan. 
So if they could use this as a springboard for the showdown against Purdue on Thursday, which would be a very important one for the bubble, that would be massive for Wisconsin. And also, too, where will they end up in terms of Big Ten seeding? Uh, still a long way to go with that at 8-9 and nine and a three more games still left to play. And Michigan had an impressive win tonight at Rutgers, starting to look like Michigan is less and less on the bubble and comfortably in. Uh, they have now won five of their last seven. So only close losses, close loss to Indiana and then the loss to Wisconsin. So can they continue can they continue their winning ways on Sunday? It'll be remain to be seen. And then as for UWM, everybody's favorite mid-major, they have their final game of the year at home against Cleveland State. We will see how that ends up for uh, UWM. Cleveland State, very talented team. They were able to beat Fort Wayne, which was a great win, 96-94, a barn burner there. Uh, but... Cleveland State's red hot. Uh, since being six and three, Cleveland State has won eight of their last ten. So they are they are rolling. Uh, I, you, Milwaukee struggled uh, recently. They had a bad loss to Youngstown. And they got wiped by Robert Morris. Uh, so it was nice to, for them to get a win at home. But this this could be a challenge. This could be an uphill battle uh, when they face the. I think they're the Vikings. Cleveland State. They are right now second in the Horizon League. This will be a very important game for seeding for the, the the whole league because the whole league could be really turned on as access. They are the Vikings, for those wondering. So look at this from a standings perspective in the horizon. You have Youngstown State right now at 14-5, Cleveland State at 14-5, Northern Kentucky at 13-6. They just lost, they beat Detroit tonight, and then Milwaukee at 13-6. So any which way this could go. I, I'd have to look at tiebreakers. There's a lot going on. Youngstown has IUPUI. They're going to walk. The Milwaukee-Cleveland State showdown is, I think, must-see. At 8 p.m. start uh, or at 7 p.m. start at the Mecca, if you don't want to watch. or you want, Well, Marquette's playing at the same time. Oh, that's going to make things crazy around the city. Figure that one out. And then o Northern Kentucky's at Oakland. So, be very interested to see how it all shakes out in the Horizon League. All right, that does it for today's show. Hope you guys enjoyed jamming out with us uh, yet again on a Friday. I was like talking to you guys on Friday. We'll be back Monday. We'll recap everything we just talked about. Uh, maybe maybe some Brewer stuff. Who knows? Uh, maybe there'll be some more Packer news to discuss. Actually. I want to, I, I want to dive into it. I did like a TikTok on it, uh, Tabby King Sports. I want to talk about Alan Lazard a little bit. Uh, so maybe we maybe we'll bring that we'll fold that into something bigger about free agency next week. Uh, Mitch will be back next week, uh, and yeah, should be should be a lot of fun. Have yourself a great weekend. Enjoy enjoy any of the hoops you watch, or I think the high school hoops start playoffs. Maybe there's some of that going on. Uh, Decent golf tournament, not great. Good, not great. Uh, but yeah, have have a good weekend, guys, and we'll uh, we'll talk next week. Thanks for all the love and support as always, and we'll uh, we'll see you Monday. Take care. Bye.